0: Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan.
1: So I gave you my cooties. What the heck, man?
0: (laughs) they they got shared virtually (laughs) i don't know where i got the cooties but they seemed exactly like the cooties you had so i'm I'm still unsure
1: how they made their way over here but well it's because you decided to travel after two and a half years of staying home and then the universe was like oh you think you want to be outside yeah, no. I, I I
0: know exactly what happened. <laughs> My body is just revolting. So I'm not going to apologize for sounding this way because I have really good shit to share today. But I, <laughs> I will just acknowledge that I sound like a small baby elephant. Uh, well,
1: what's probably funny too is our listeners who do listen every week who've been listening for the past probably three months can tell where it's like, I lost my voice and was sick, and then I kind of got better, and then I was sick again, and then we were both better, and now you're sick, and I'm better.
0: <laughs> what do you mean? We have to keep running the show regardless. If we lived in this like idealist world, like Emily and I would absolutely stop production, and we wouldn't record when either of us feel bad. Not because we will re- not record when one of us is sick. Yeah, we didn't you know, record like, last week. Like, <laughs> But when we don't sound great, like we know... It's not always as fun to listen to, but there's just too much to be told today. That well, we- and I
1: don't want to be recording 85 episodes in like November to try to wrap up the end of the year. So what do you mean we're <laughs> already
0: behind? We are so behind. It's fine. We normally try to batch through the end of January yeah. by the end of October. It's not happening. Absolutely not, not, this happening.
1: Year. not this year. Nope. No, no. And it's honestly like in previous years, I would be so irritated by that because I think in previous years when we've let it happen, it's just because like we didn't plan accordingly. This year we've done all the planning, but actually, a lot of what we're going to be sharing today is the big impact as to why our schedule has changed so much. And it's okay. Like we're just ebbing and flowing with it. And it's fine. <laughs> yeah. it's good. Yeah. Well, I know you were holed up all weekend, all week, but we went to a fundraising event on Saturday for the library. Uh-huh. Give money to your local libraries, y'all. Support them. Go check out some books. Go give them some money. Go share them. Go tag them. Take your kids there, your friends there. Get your books from there. We have a librarian in our friend group, very, very close friend of ours, And we, I mean, we love the library with or without her, but every year they host an event. It's called Library Let's Loose. And it's exactly that where the library turns up and there is a DJ, there's an open bar. There are foods from various local Kansas City restaurants in the library. So adults only, no children. You come in and there's like a step and repeat. There's a fog machine. There's strobe lights. There's, I think there were like six bars popped up in the library. So you could go turn around any bookcase and get (laughs) a glass. So they had beer and wine, but they made a signature drink for the event called Let's Get Loose Juice. (laughs) And oh it my has. gosh! Rieger's Vodka, which is a Kansas City vodka. And I don't know, like a mixed berry. Sound. It was basically pink lemonade, but vodka. It was delicious. And then they were doing giveaways all night. You could win a trip to Costa Rica or Lake Tahoe. I did not win anything, unfortunately. They had books wrapped up in brown paper so you couldn't tell what the book was as your party favor. So everyone left with a book and it was so cute and it was a blast. We danced the night away and I was so sore all day Sunday and I literally did not get out of my pajamas or leave my house on Sunday. I was so
0: sore for really stupid reasons, you know, like laying in bed for five days. Mm -hmm,
1: And coughing. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, my lungs. Mm -hmm. They're so mad at me. (laughs) You should go for a swim so you can, like, loosen up your body. It is cold.
0: I don't think – I think I might be done for this season with that.
1: Yeah. It's going to be really hot today, so maybe. Go dip my toes in, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It might feel good. Well, I'm – Glad to be chatting with you again. I feel like I didn't... We've like texted a couple times last week, but that was it.
0: I felt like I was on an island. I was uh-huh. watching
1: business happen
0: around me. Actually, I was so out of it that most yeah, of my Yeah, your brain was like just gone. wasn't there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I would say glad to have you back, but I know you're not 100% back. Ooh. So glad to have you here. And then you can go rest right after this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so today I wanted to share with you guys a little bit behind the scenes and some live action tweaking and repeating that we do. So we've talked about tweaking and repeating from the beginning of time. We coined that phrase, first of all, and it's just the concept of like you take action in your business, you do something and you do it for a set amount of time, at least 30 days, and you then take a beat and you go back and you reflect. How did it actually go? How did it feel? What were the results? Did you like what happened? What are the opportunities for you to tweak, change, like pivot just slightly to improve on? What are the things that are going really, really well that you definitely want to repeat and just do it like a little discussion, a little postmortem, a little assessment? And so we're doing that like live with you here on something that we started exactly 30 days ago. And we wanted to give you kind of a rundown of the results, and looking at our own numbers, what are we going to change so that you can do this same assessment with your own business and the stuff that you're doing. So what did we do 30 days ago? 30 days ago, we officially announced
0: a wait list for our one-to-one services. Emily and I, for the last seven years, have worked with clients in a variety of capacities And we started out initially as like this local branding and marketing boutique. And in the last, I don't know, nine to 12 months or so, we've been secretly working with a very small handful of clients behind the scenes outside of our typical educational products.
1: Yeah, Specifically done for you work is what we're talking about
0: here. Yeah. We've been working with clients for a we se- We've never stopped that. <laughs> yeah, that never went away. But the done for you aspects have ebbed and flowed over time. And so we opened up a wait list to kind of open it to the I wouldn't even say general public because we just emailed it you'd have to be on our list and you had to have been paying attention so that already limited it pretty significantly but we opened it up there and had people sign up for our waitlist form now the interesting thing is 30 days ago when we did that we initially had people just join the wait list and then that stopped the automations. Like there was no additional automations to continue them throughout the sales process. It was very much of manual outreach and like setting appointments and that kind of thing. And, you know, with anything I can appreciate some automations to assist. Mm-hmm. And so I very quickly Decided to make some changes from it being 100% manual to some
1: things automatically happening. Now, Well, and I think the first change, even before you did that, is we didn't even really know how to word the form or the things listed on the form. And, you know, everyone always asks, like, how many things do I list? Do I talk about budget? What are the budget ranges that I put on there? And we have that conversation just like anyone else because we're in a unique situation where we do have quite a large list and quite a large audience. But of those people who want done for you services, what do they need? And of the people who Do, what is their budget? And does it make sense for our team to offer something for that budget? Or do we need to get more specific about who we're going to work with? You know, we are more than a one woman show. We always have been because there's been at least two of us. And so the way that we price things is different than just one person who's offering the service and it's a much smaller business or much smaller team or non-existent team. And so even before we sent the waitlist, we had to do a lot of plug and play in the calculator that Abby has built for y'all to kind of see where does it make sense for our ranges to be? Does that make sense for us to say yes to that project or not? Who on our team is going to be doing this stuff? So we had a lot of internal discussions and then we just like did our MVP version of the form. And we're like, let's just see what feedback we get. Let's see what we hear. And based on the first initial responses to the form, I think we immediately changed the budget ranges. And then we added some clarifications on the check what you're interested in services that we listed.
0: Yeah, we increased the budget only because I didn't want to like falsely advertise that we had options available that low and I think right. I think the budget range gave the impression that we had services at that range. Yeah. And it was mostly just to weed people out. But what we figured out really early on is a lot of our potential clients just had no idea what to expect to spend. And so They were just literally selecting the first thing on the list. That wasn't necessarily a representation of their willingness or actual budget. So that change happened right away. The other thing that changed right away is I went from having to manually outreach for the next step in the process too, I went ahead and included a call scheduler with my waitlist form. Now, I don't think that is something I will do long-term at all
1: because it basically meant I got really busy really fast. Well, and it's something I would say if I want to send another email about the waitlist, we would be like, oh, let's take that call scheduler off. Because if we're sending it to tens of thousands of people, we just don't, this is just a lot. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it was fine initially, but I knew what would happen as a result. And this is where you guys need to understand when you may intentionally make a choice like that. For me, I knew it would mean that people who are underqualified, as in they don't necessarily have the right amount of budget or the project type they're interested in is outside of something that we do, so they're underqualified, they're going to end up on a call with me anyway. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so then I'm going to be having a discovery conversation where I might be able to move them forward in the sales process, or more than likely, I'm just going to be deflecting and changing course in the middle of that conversation. And in some cases, that makes a lot of sense. And in other times, it's not necessarily the best use of my time. And so I was able to have really great conversations with people who were newer in business and was able to talk to them about other ways our team could support them with our free resources or other courses. I also had people who were further along in business that were actually looking for more of a group opportunity and I was able to talk to them directly about the incubator over our done-for-you options. But it obviously directly tied to my close rate. Because essentially there were people who ended up on a call with me who I never pitched a potential product to and who are going to show up as lost business in the grand scheme of things because I still had a call with them.
1: Yeah. But we track that to identify, and this is part of the conversation I want to have with y'all, when you try and implement a new strategy in your business, what I want you to begin to kind of look at the overall thing right us opening up the doors for done for you services that's the overall thing that we're doing but there are multiple checkpoints throughout that process that we can actually pinpoint and laser in focus on to see what area of that piece specifically needs to be done better or eliminated or improved or whatever it might be so it could like for us right it's starts with the actual form what does the form look like what is it saying Okay. How are we communicating about the form? Like did the link work? Was it clear that this is what people would be clicking on and actually going after a post form? Are they able to book a call or do we need to do some follow-up? And is there some sort of like nurturing that we should be able to add there? And then once people are actually booking and having the conversations, that's a whole other slew. Like it's like part two of the project, right? Of like, how did the conversations go? Were you able to pitch anything? Then did those people actually like go to a sales meeting, or what we call as an opportunity call. And then of those people who actually pitched or who actually decided to become a client. And then from there, you can even look at, well, how long does it take people to sign the contract? How long does it take people to pay the first invoice? Like, there's so many different areas where you can pinpoint where you need to improve. And I think a lot of people just like to look at the bird's eye and be like, well, I sent the email or I did the wait list and like no one was interested. So I'm not going to do that again. Or like only two people said something or whatever your numbers actually are. And I want you to begin to actually look at every single step as its own little project that you can improve.
0: Yeah. You know, I was not wanting more than we got in terms right. of volume. And we have a very large list that we're emailing. So if I had more than 10 to 15 people respond anytime we sent an email, like that was going to be an actual problem for us. So for you guys, having a handful of people respond in that situation, I think is incredible. And a really good sign of what's to come for you. But the goal is to get as many people through the sales process as possible. And in an ideal situation, I would have someone fill out a waitlist, have a call with me, turn around and have a sales call and like really get the full opportunity to look at a project in under a week. Because I want them booking that discovery call within two business days of filling out the waitlist form. And I want them having the sales conversation within two days of having the discovery conversation. And that way they have the shortest amount of time from showing interest to hearing the price and understanding what we can do for them. And anytime you can shorten that sales cycle, in my opinion, more often than not, You see an improvement in overall sales metrics. People tend to, even if they say they don't,
1: they do lose interest over time. Um, And even if it's not lost interest, it's convincing themselves that they don't actually want to do that thing or that it's not the right decision at that time. Like it's like the overthinking aspect of it.
0: Right. And so you're going to have to slowly. Kind of move them through the process to see what makes the most sense and how do you get the best bang for your buck. And so, for the most part, we tried a fairly linear approach. So, with a couple exceptions, there was a couple of people that we pitched phases to where we had bigger projects in mind and pitched a phased approach. But for the most part, we had a really linear sales process where we were having a discovery call, then in the sales conversation, we were talking about one specific project, and then trying to book for that specific project. Now, in some cases, we did set people up who we thought, you know, hey, more long term, these are the other things we want you also to be thinking about. But here's where we suggest you start. And I think a big part of that led to things being really successful. But I don't want you to think that we, I closed every bit of business. I didn't want to, it didn't make sense to, and especially since we weren't limiting who got in on the front end, I had to be able to use the not, not even pitching them an opportunity as my own way of weeding people out. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. In the last 30 days, I've closed 60% of the people that have come through the sales funnel. And, you know, I think if I had specifically taken the waitlist people that I knew either weren't a fit for done for you, or were more of a fit for a low end, or even on the educational side, something else, I absolutely know without a doubt that that number would be much higher. But all things considered, I think 60% close rate is really incredible. because,
1: Especially when you compare it to the conversion rate in the online one to many business, which is They say 2%, I say barely one right now.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, barely one easily. And for us, this is definitely, while time intensive, it's a much simpler process to book new business. We booked more new business through this sales process than any of our other sales methods in the same 30 day span. And that's saying a lot. So, you know, we close sixty percent of business, but that's over one hundred and eighteen thousand in closed revenue, contracted revenue. Like I have contracts on the book for over one hundred and eighteen thousand in business, and I know I could absolutely keep going. the The thing we also have to be mindful of is when you're in any kind of business, you have to understand what your organizational capacity is. And we are right at that threshold where we're somewhere between 45 and 60 days booked out. So I have to intentionally throttle down. And that's great. I don't see that as a problem at all. I want to anticipate more for the future and be able to understand when we can book out for things. And the cool part is, almost everyone, if I went through the list of everyone who's booked, almost everyone there has been either an internal conversation or direct conversation with that person about other projects we can do together. So yeah. even if we didn't turn around and get any additional clients, we could be booked for six months solid if we can clients we're already working with.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. If, easily. Yep. Well, and that's a whole other project and metric that y'all could look at. You know, it's not new information that it's easier, cheaper, faster to make more money from existing clients and customers than it is to get a new lead. And I think I know a lot of us forget that opportunity and we don't know how to approach those conversations. And this is something that we talk about often with our incubator clients and actually develop scripts around of how to raise prices from existing clients, increase scope for new projects for existing or recently closed clients, wrapped clients, or how to get referrals of the same caliber from clients they are working with. And I know that all of those opportunities are open to us with the current folks that we're working with. And there are at least two If not more, pretty big irons in the fire that haven't closed that I could see closing in the next three to six months.
0: Well, and that's the thing is like, when do you really count something as lost business? I think it just really depends on the scope of project you're talking about and how big of a consideration this is for a business. There's definitely things we're talking to people about where if they said no now, like, if we were to re-talk about this later, we'd have to rebid the whole thing because so much time has passed and the actual deliverables would need to be discussed. But for some of these people, we know that there's going to be a longer consideration phase. And so far, we've only had one of our clients has gone through a longer consideration phase. And honestly, I think it's just due to sheer timing. They happen to come in at the very beginning and it was for a bigger project. And so they had a longer consideration phase and we did close it in just under 30 days. But, you know, if we had started even two weeks later, they'd probably still be in that consideration phase.
1: Well, and that's data that I'm going to be just really interested in getting, you know, a month from now, three months, six months into the future of What price point of project closes, you know, within a couple days as you're hopping on the call with them? If it's above this threshold, it's going to take two weeks or 30 days or whatever. And I think that that knowledge is the thing that helps you budget and plan and understand what type of calls you need to be having and understand how long it's going to take for that money to actually come in and impact the business.
0: Well, yeah, especially if you're trying to book yourself out for a longer period of time you may be excited about bidding a bigger project but how soon you need the cash and I, I think that is part of the consideration like are you better off booking three smaller jobs that have a much lower consideration they're way more likely to say yes, you know. Sooner, right. Sooner. Would you pitch those instead or would you look for those types of clients instead just because of your cash flow?
1: Well, and it has my brain brewing of all the ideas of, you know, okay, so like if it's not clear, we are like a full blown freaking agency right now <laughs> and a digital creative agency offering done for you services and DIY options for you to work with us. And so it's, newer though for us that our team is helping us support on client deliverables. We've never had that before. It's always only been me and Abby doing done for you services. And so that part's a whole new world. Well, what's really interesting is like, there are some product or some services that we offer that Abby and I don't have to touch at all. There are some services that only Abby and I do, but we can wrap it in 30 days. And then there are some that take, multiple members of our team and multiple months to actually wrap up. So what will be interesting is like, are we going to pick this rhythm of like trying to book for a specific service a certain amount of times throughout the year? We only want to do this many, but we're going to condense them to this timeframe so we can get them out and get them done and like be wrapped with that type of thing. Or are we going to like always spread out projects throughout the year? We don't have that control right now, right now. We're saying we're getting clients who are an ideal fit. If we have the capacity, we're fitting it in and we're like making it happen because we're learning about how we want to work, what type of work we want to be doing, what schedule for our team that that's going to look like. So we're not in that like we get to choose all of the perfect world situations right now. But I'm thinking about what that could be even this time next year.
0: Yeah. And I think it's cool because we've got to even in the last 30 days, because the interesting thing about all of this is, yes, we have 30 days of data, but some of these clients we booked and immediately started working on their jobs. So there's a handful of these clients that were literally almost wrapped with. And that just because they booked and like, they yeah, got in oh and, God, and, so we got yeah. and like, now we're almost wrapped with them. And so there's people at various stages. Some people like we sent their onboarding materials last week while I was sick of it, So <laughs> like you know, so our organizational capacity is still something we're ironing out and figuring out. And and while I have a good idea of how far we're booked, the thing that's just interesting is I'm watching us wrapping some projects and then does that mean now we're open again? Or I know. Huh.
1: Or because of the new clients who just came in, who are waiting to kind of get started, does that make us full?
0: <laughs> right. I'm going on more than a hunch. Don't get me wrong. But it, it's still, especially since we have a variety of project types. Right. It's not as a...
1: For some, not, we could be open for, for some or not. <laughs> like, you couldn't book this type of project right now if you try. Right. That's, well, it's kind of like we need to... And we know it in our brains, right? But like, I feel like there's like level one, two, three projects, right? And we have like, at least two level three projects coming up that are going to take a lot of our time and like, take time to finish. So if we have two level three projects, how many does that mean level two or ones that we could say yes to while also doing that one?
0: Yeah, right now it's uh, It's like Jenga. It's on gut and a prayer,
1: uh-huh. 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> but it's, but it's, it's a good hunch. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, see, we know at the end of the day, Abigail and myself will do anything to make sure that that client stuff gets done. And we will take it as a lesson learned from like, oop, that was too much. Or, Oh, I think we could do one more of this type. And we just have to do it to understand what we can do because we're doers.
0: <laughs> we're doers. And we've been in this space a long time. There's
1: certain things that I... We're not new to this.
0: No. And this, it's funny coming back to it from a different lens. Like I started my career in agency life and in, in working corporate. And I've experienced every type of client facing business model there is. But, you know, when you've experienced all those things, you want to include all the good parts and take the parts out that are frustrating or drive people
1: crazy <laughs> and get you to burnout
0: and try to really accommodate for those things. And And mm-hmm. I'm excited to experiment with that because there's some stuff that even as an agency owner, I'm sitting here like, I don't know. For certain project types, is there any way to get away with not making my whole team count their hours? Like, I don't know. I don't want to go down that road. But is in certain instances, is that going to make the most sense? So we'll see how it all kind of irons out. But I will say in terms of if you are attempting to do this for yourself, and you're like, damn, I'd love to book 118,000 in 30 days. What does it really require? I think the thing I want you to be mindful of is me personally, my time, I was probably only in the weeds with clients 20 to 25% of the time. The rest of the time I was in the sales process. And so Did I do some of the client work? Yeah, totally. I was like on calls with clients and planning and communicating with the team and all of those things. And if I had been a one woman show, there's absolutely no way I could have had the volume of calls that I did and kept any sort of face with our current active clients. Right, right. Yeah. So that was only possible because we had a team. Dedicated to working on the client work on the back end.
1: Yep. Well, there's a whole like structure and process that we've created that's as parts of it are automated that help the communication. And But every week we're learning something new in the sense of like, just last week, we started doing internal client kickoff calls with who was going to be working on that project, come to a 20 minute zoom with whoever closed the deal. And we're going to talk about the project, talk about next steps, get it that project actually managed and get stuff sent out to that client for the first like two to three weeks. We're just flying by the seat of our pants and figuring out what we needed to do. And now that we're wrapping clients, we're having client debriefs to, again, tweak and repeat from that exact project or that specific client or whatever made sense. So we're still learning and implementing as we go as well. And I think my biggest piece of advice is you literally cannot assume perfection or that you're going to think of every single thing that could go wrong or go right and account for it. You just have to kind of dive in and it's going to be messy. Like our very first client ever who said, yes, I'm like, oh, we didn't have that set up before you, but they're still getting served. Their process is still happening. We're just learning from every client what we want to integrate for the next one. And that's all it takes sometimes, and so well, and
0: that's the thing I would just sort of caution you with in a good way is that like when you're building this out, especially if this isn't your first rodeo, like you've done this before, and you're wanting to like get back into this or really amp it up one like you're going to have to give yourself some grace that there is not going to be the systems behind the scenes to support this level of business out the gate. Like and for you to assume that you can build all of the systems in advance of booking a client is so bogus like you will have to make the system while you're on the train. Like you're building the tracks as you go. And like, I know it seems scary sometimes to run it that way. But if you're doing a good job, your client shouldn't know the difference. And I would argue, I mean, with the exception of like one or two questions from a client, for the most part, they wouldn't have any idea that this was the first time we were picking up that specific project type.
1: Well, Um, and I'll also remind you that like, especially if you are not new to this, but you're kind of diving back in or just ramping it up, the type of people who are going to say yes, when you first put the feelers out there, like are obsessed with you and they're your super fans. And so they're going to give you so much grace in the learning process that by the time you're working with a complete stranger, which we've done at this point, we were a stranger. They they knew us, we didn't know them kind of thing. The process is a little bit more refined and you feel like a little bit better about taking care of them in a different way. So I like, you'll be good. You'll be good. The other thing I just kind of want to leave you with
0: as you are considering this is now I'm not saying three months into this, six months into this, you can't change. But if we're talking about initially, just to get your feet wet, just to practice going through the sales process, practice your sales skills. I think it's really critically important that you're not pitching the same project over and over again. Agreed. I pitched, I mean projects everywhere from five grand to Mm 90,000 and everything in between. And I really think if I had been pitching the same $5,000 project the whole time, I wouldn't have learned as much as I have about ways to improve and ways to streamline and even some like internal things that I think are going to inform how we decide what to pitch in the future or when does it even make sense to bring up certain things and because the part that's been weird for me is like sometimes knowing a client needs project x but if I put it in front of them it's gonna scare the living shit yeah. out of them and, yeah. and so like what's the version of getting them to say yes to something now And us working
1: up to a bigger thing later. Yeah, just try. (laughs) Just dive in. And this part of the conversation, the postmortem, the tweak and repeat, is the thing that will guide you for how to make it better and improve it in the future. But I need you to just get your feet wet and try some new stuff. If you are stuck on figuring out how to refine the service that you've been offering and expertise that you've been showing up as, there are two ways that we can help you with that. One of them being the DIY route where you go through the incubator, you refine your offer, your price, your client experience, your actual CRM, your project management system, and everything in between with workflows and templates, etc. That's through the incubator. You can find out more at bossproject.com slash apply. If you want the done for you version of the sales strategy behind what it is that you're offering, making sure it's priced appropriately, your utilization is taken into account, and the actual sales strategy slash marketing strategy behind it is going to be effective for you, then I'd love to chat with you about our sales intensive and the playbook that we create. If you head to bossproject.com slash waitlist, you can see our waitlist form that we've been talking about all episode, fill out strategy if that's the thing that you're specifically interested in. And you can hop on a call with Abigail if it makes sense. And we can see where does it make sense to put you so you can feel confident in your next steps.
0: Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates,